0: This is hardly your picture any longer. Yes! yes. I'm a vampire. Baby, Good morning, West. It is great to be back with you again. I'm Amy Coles, and I always love when I get the opportunity to come share with you this morning. Certainly as we gather together, we're in prayer for those who are in Nebbi, Uganda, doing God's work there. And one of the things I want you to know is I've invited the worship team to take this time to get out of their rut. So I'm hoping when they come back on, they'll have something new to sing for you. Would you clap if you think that's a good idea? I agree. You know, when Andrea asked me um, to be a part of this series, Energy Vampires, those things which just kind of suck the energy, the life, the joy out of our lives, she she gave me an opportunity to to pick the topic that I wanted to. And as she listed the ones that um, she wanted to go over, I I had to say that all of them, all of them were a part of my life. People-pleasing, worry, negative thinking, but when she got to being in a rut or being resistant to change, I, I had to share with her that I think I, that's a part of my life every day as I lead in ministry. And so I was thinking this morning as, of a good way to, to kind of give you a picture of that. And, and so I thought, about, I thought about a marinated pork loin. <laughs> well, not really. For those of you that were here last week, you got that. For those that you weren't, Andrea used that as, as her illustration. We're kind of in a rut for illustrative material today, and um, it didn't go over so well. So I told her I had to use it today as well. But, but really, when, when I think of what it means to be in a rut, I think more of, of another clip that, that I want to show you from the movie Groundhog Day. That great classic movie about how February 2nd is played over... And over and over again. The big question on everybody's yeah, Chap lips. Yeah, they lips. Do you think Phil's gonna come out and see a shadow? Punksa Tony Phil. That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. It's See the groundhog? Yeah. Think it'll be in early spring. <laughs> Didn't we do this yesterday? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> don't mess with me, Porkchop. Chop. <sighs> what day is this? It's February 2nd. Groundhog Day. Yeah. Sorry. You know I thought it was yesterday. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Did you sleep well, Mr. Connors? Did I sleep well? Would you like some coffee? Yes, please. I think I'll have a double. I hope you enjoy the festivities. There's talk of a blizzard. Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. No, that's okay. Thank you. Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? I'd say the chance of departure is 80%, 75, 80. Excuse me, excuse me. Where's everybody going? To Gobbler's Knob. It's Groundhog Day. It's still just once a year, isn't it? (laughs) Have you ever felt that way? that you're just playing life over and over and over again. You know, in my life, one of the things um, that I do as a part of my job with the conference is that I gather every year with the bishop and the district superintendents, and that district superintendent is someone who supervises and guides and provides pastoral care for a particular area in the church. And we gather together every year, and one of our responsibilities is to appoint pastors or assign pastors to churches. Sometimes that happens when somebody retires and they need a new pastor. Other times it happens when um, there just needs to be a change and there needs to be a move. And that typically happens around the beginning of July every year. New pastors go, and they go with lots of excitement, and they're energetic, and they can't wait to get there, and and to lead the people, and to to being um, mission-oriented, and to reviving their church, and inviting others to become a part of it. But it's about this time of year, it's about... October, sometimes it waits till the beginning of November that we begin to get calls at the conference office. They're calls from church folks who are growing weary of their new, energetic, passionate pastor who wants to change things. You see, these churches may know that they're dying, that they're growing older, and that new folks aren't coming in. They may know that they've become more like a a social club, that they're not interacting with their community. They may know that their whole community and, and the world is changing around them. But when push comes to shove, I think what they actually want is a pastor with a fresh, energetic, inspiring new vision who will help them to be exactly the same as they are today. And I get that. I get that because it can be scary. It can be scary to change. It's, it, you don't know whether you're gonna fail, you don't know th- what the next step might be, things might be different. Plus we live in a world that's changing at an exponential pace. And sometimes, sometimes you want something that's gonna stay the same. Something that you can hold on to, something that's familiar and oftentimes, that becomes the church. You know the church's famous motto, don't you? We've always done it that way. And we like to do it that way. But you know, I think you and I can also find ourselves in the same kind of ruts. Doing things day in and day out. And, and sometimes those are ruts of, of our own choosing. It's like we like to live life being wrapped up in an old, worn, comfortable blanket, curled up on the edge of the couch where everything's familiar, where there's no risk of failure or risk of ridicule or, or risk of having to move outside of our comfort zone. There are also times when that rut is not of our own choosing. It, it, perhaps it's that you're in a job, that you're in a job that's actually sucking the life out of you. But you can't seem to get out of it because you can't find anything in the job market that would help you pay your bills. Or maybe it's that you've gotten into debt. Debt so far that, that um, you can't seem to climb out of it. And, and every time you begin to see a, a light at the end of the tunnel, the transmission goes out on your car, or somebody needs a medical procedure... And that little bit that you've been able to save up, that cushion that you've been able to build up, gets taken away. Or maybe it's in your marriage. Oh, there's nothing terribly wrong in your marriage, but as you've grown together and continued to live together, you found yourself just existing. That those things that you like to do with each other aren't as exciting anymore. And so you're kind of living parallel paths with not much fun, with not much joy. Those are equally draining and frustrating. If we wanna think about a biblical example of, of what it means to be in a rut, I think about in the Old Testament, the people of Israel Now, the people of Israel were a country, a nation that we follow through the entire first two-thirds of the Bible as as God wants to build them into a people who are wholly devoted to him. And the people of Israel find themselves in various situations, and, and oftentimes they feel like they're in a rut. They were in slavery in Egypt, and and these 12 tribes that were molded together are led out of slavery in Egypt by Moses and then they live in the wilderness for a while and then Joshua leads them into a land the land of Canaan which is east of of the Jericho river and as they were there they they continued to to try to be formed into this nation, except always, always, they had to battle against the people who were trying to come in and take them over. They were a small country, a small nation who were just trying to figure out life together. And so the bigger other empires would come in and try to steal their land, land that was very fertile, land that was very fruitful, land that others wanted. They found themselves in a rut, And as they continued to struggle with having judges and then having kings lead them, they, they would make mistakes and, and the other powers would get closer and closer. And finally, in 722 before Christ, they were, um, the southern half of, of Israel was captured by the Assyrians. And then in 586, the northern half was captured by the Babylonians. And they were carted off into what we know as exile, where they had to live within within the people of Babylon. And they were miserable. They'd lost their land. Their place of worship. The temple had been torn down and was left in ruins. Their customs, their friends were no longer with them. They felt like they were in a rut. They didn't know what they wanted to do. And it was during this time that God would ask prophets to speak words of hope to the people of Israel. Words of promise. Words that would let them know that God was going to help them get back to their homeland. That Israel would be a people unto itself once again. One of those prophets was Isaiah. And here's what Isaiah said to the people, be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. Do you hear that word of promise to the people? God is about to do something new and they need to watch for it. God's going to make a road through the desert, through that drifting, flowing sand, so that they can get back to their homeland. God's going to bring rivers through the badlands, through the dry, rocky places in their lives. God will lead them forward, and it gave them hope. And I think it's the scripture that can help us know, perhaps, how we can get out of the ruts in our lives. How we can overcome our resistance to change. And, and nobody likes change. Except when we're the ones doing the changing. But nobody likes change to happen to them. And so we do resist it. But I think these words of scripture can help us to know how we can, can move out of that. How we can allow this energy vampire to, to move away. And one of the first things that I think we need to remember as we think about that scripture is that it's God doing the work. Our God is a God who who wants the best for us, who wants us to live full and complete lives, being a part of of God's kingdom and God's work in the world. Now, know that I don't say wonderful and always happy and prosperous and rich lives. No, we know that that's not true. But God does want us and continues to work so that we might live full and complete lives using the gifts that God has given us so that we might make this world more like God's kingdom in heaven to come. And I love the way Elaine Heath helps us to to know that while we know that God is the one that's calling us, that's going to continue to act and provide those ways for us to get out of that rut... That there's some things that we can do as well. Lane Heath in a book called God Unbound shares four ways, and and I may have even shared these before, but I I think they're worth repeating and worth focusing on this morning as we think about how we can get out of the ruts in our lives. The first one is we've got to show up. We've got to show up. We've got got to be present. We've got to be willing to, to give our best selves, no matter how much of, of that is of ourselves, we've got to be willing to give our best selves into whatever we're doing. I know it's easy when we're in a rut to, to go through life like we're kind of sleepwalking and, oh yeah, I know how to do this. But, but what God calls us to do is, is to show up, to be there. My nephew, Brandon, has just finished his second round of, of training in the U.S. Army. And on Friday, he'll be leaving for Fort Wainwright in Fairbanks, Alaska. I told him he couldn't have picked a better time to go to Fairbanks, Alaska than as they enter into winter. But, but we were talking about the difference um, that he was experiencing um, from, the, from his graduation, from his individual training, from when he began in basic training. I got those wonderful letters the first couple of weeks um, while he was in basic training telling me that he was sure he was going to flunk out. Um, The army calls it being recycled, and so I had to figure out that translation, but he knew he was going to be recycled. He knew he wasn't going to make it, and so he just wanted to prepare me, and then by the end of eight months, he's so excited about going to Fairbanks. Fairbanks. And I asked him what made the difference. And I asked him how he made it through those particularly difficult times. And he said, well, he said, I just got up at 4.30 every morning. And I went out there no matter how much I hated it. And I gave it my best. I didn't fake being sick. I didn't um, just decide that I would go through the motions. But I went out there and, and I tried to give it my best. And you know what? Day after day, it got better. And it got easier. And I felt better. He was willing to show up. To show up. The next thing that we're called to do after we show up is to pay attention. Isaiah talks about it as, see, see, I'm doing a new thing. I'm about to do something new. Are you awake? Are you watching? Are you ready for it? You see, we've got to be willing to trust that God is at work and that God wants us to get out of the ruts that we find ourselves in, that God wants us to move us to a new place. And so we've got to have our eyes out for where God is at work all the time. If you feel like you're in a rut in your marriage, perhaps you see something on Twitter or, or Facebook or, or even a, a TV advertisement that, that gives you a glimpse of, well, well, we could do this together. This might help us begin to, to rekindle that love between us. Or perhaps if, if it's a, a rut in your job, maybe there's a volunteer opportunity that will help you kindle the passion inside of you. And, and often volunteer opportunities lead lead to different employment. There's a church in High Point that I learned about this past week that was willing to pay attention to their community. It's a church that um, is in a, a kind of a middle to middle upper class area. They're surrounded by a very vibrant university. And so they do a lot of ministry to college students. And they've got a great preschool, and, and, they, and they were doing some, some good things with, with the youth and with the older adults, and, and things were going along pretty good. But you know, as, as they thought about it, it was kind of the same old, same old, week after week after week. And then a couple of teachers in their congregation shared with them that um, in one of the lesser resourced high schools, the football team was really struggling. Nobody was doing anything special for it. You know how um, a lot of times churches or other groups feed the high school football team before they play. Well, well, nobody was doing that for this high school, and and they felt alone. And there weren't a lot of fans going out to watch their games. And and so the, a spark began, and they began. The church began to notice that. Well, perhaps, perhaps this is where we're being called to go. They paid attention. They were willing to see where God was at work, and they readied themselves to join God. Which is step number three: We're called to show up, we're called to pay attention, and we're called to cooperate with God. And so what this church agreed to do was to, to provide food every Friday night before they played football. And groups from the church go and fill up the stands and cheer them on. And that's led to relationships between these young men and the families of the church and, and their families. And, and there's a whole new energy and excitement in the church because they were willing to cooperate with that spark to which God was calling them. You know, there's an old, old, old joke about um, a, a person that found himself in a flood and the waters began to rise and they began to rise. And the, so the person went from the first floor of their house to the second floor of their house and then finally climbed out the window and onto the roof and, and just kept all the while praying to God, praying to God that God would come and save him. And as he's praying to God and saying, God, I know you're gonna do this. I know you're gonna come and save me. Along came a person on a raft who said, jump on and I'll, I'll take you to safety. And the person said, no, no, I, I just know God's going to save me. It's okay. And then comes by a, a, a person in a motorboat and says, come on, I, the water's getting worse. I don't know how much longer you're going to be able to stay here, get in the boat, and I'll, I'll take you to safety. And he said, no, no, I just know. I know God is going to come and save me. And finally, there was a helicopter that lowered a ladder down to the person beckoning them, wanting them to get on, to, to be lifted up to safety. And all the while, the, the, the person said, no, no, I just know God's going to come and, and save me. And the person drowned. And when the person got to heaven and, and began to talk to God and said, God, I, I prayed, I knew you were going to save me. And, and God says this, well, I sent a raft and a motorboat and a helicopter. What more did you want? Friends, to me, that talks about how we're called to cooperate with God. That as we pay attention that, that we've got to be willing to do those things. So, so maybe it's paying attention to, to, to that financial counselor that can give you a path out of the debt in your life. Or maybe if you feel like your family's disintegrating, maybe it's turning off all the electronics and being willing to sit down again at the dinner table or, or do a service project together so you can rebuild your relationships. Or maybe if it's in the church, maybe if you're feeling like you're in a rut, even here at West, God's calling you to step up in your service, to take a risk, to maybe lead a team rather than just participate on one, or to join a team if you haven't done that already. We've gotta cooperate with God who wants our lives to be full, who wants our lives to be complete, who wants us to have joy and peace and love. And then finally, after we've shown up, after we've paid attention, after we've cooperated with God, then we're called to release the outcome. And I think, friends, this is the hardest thing. But what it means is we've got to not have predetermined what it's going to mean for us to get out of this rut. I mean, you may be thinking right now that the way that God could get you out of your rut would be a 10-day cruise to the Virgin Islands. Clap if you think that would be good. Or maybe it's season tickets to the Panthers. And just maybe, even though you think that's what's going to get you out of your rut, God knows that it's spending 10 days in Uganda helping those in need, using your gifts and being blessed as your a blessing to others. We've got to trust. I think we've got to trust that God's got this, that our God is greater than we are and knows more about what we need than sometimes we even do. And we've got to be willing to release that outcome to God. And even if we fail, know that God will pick us up and teach us something and let us try again. But even if we failed, we're out of the rut we're out of the rut that we once were in. And you know, the cool thing about all of this is that we've gotta remember that we aren't meant to get out of our own ruts by ourselves. That's why God has given us the faith community. That's why God has given us each other, each other to walk this journey together, to, to challenge us to do something new and to cheer us on when we're willing to try. God didn't mean for us to do this alone but with friends and fellow travelers along the journey. This morning in uptown Charlotte, at First United Methodist Church, they're dedicating a mural. It's a mural, and you may have seen this in the Charlotte Observer, but it's a mural that is of pictures of of their guests in what they call their muffin ministry. This ministry began Many, many years ago when um, Uptown was beginning to to prosper and particularly the area that First United Methodist Churches is, is in, and, in on North Tryon and all the businesses and, and neighbors on North Tryon were trying to push the homeless people to a different section of town because it was messing up their their area and their neighborhood. Well, First Methodist decided to be the church. And they said, no, we're not going to push the homeless out to another area. What we're going to do is invite them in here on Sunday mornings. And it became the muffin ministry as some of the folks began to bring them muffins so that they had breakfast to eat. And, and folks in the church would come and, and just relate with them and, and befriend them and, and talk to them. And if they wanted prayer, they'd pray. But, but that wasn't the focus of it. The focus of it was relationships. And treating the people that lived on the streets in uptown Charlotte with respect. As valuable creations of God. And so this morning they've taken pictures of all those people. And they're going to dedicate that mural because, because of folks like Ann Husky. Who arrived there this morning at 545. To put out the juice and to make the coffee and, and to get the muffins ready. And there are a couple of other folks, actually folks that that have been a part of this muffin ministry and were the recipients of it that'll that'll join her. Adam Mayhew, who's 38 years old, came and had been living on the streets. Now he's got a job and and a house and and he'll be there to help her pass out the muffins. And Paul Lessard still lives on the street, but he comes as well because he said, this church gave to me and now I want to come and give back to others. Friends, to me, that's a sign of what it means to to get out of your rut. I mean, First, First United Methodist Church has an incredible endowment, a beautiful sanctuary, an incredible facility. And they could have joined the other businesses in the area and just wanting it to be just so and, and just perfect. They could have gotten in that rut so that they could maintain the, the wonderful image of their church. And yet they were willing to move out To show up, to pay attention to the needs of of those who don't have a home and who live on the streets day in and day out. They were willing to cooperate with God in, in befriending them and seeing them as beloved children of God's. And the outcome is an incredible, beautiful ministry that's now being memorialized and honored by a beautiful mural in their fellowship hall. May we, may we be willing to do the same. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we all do find ourselves in ruts from time to time. We find ourselves not knowing what to do. But God, help us to trust that you are there. Help us to trust that you want what's best for us. Help us to trust that you love us and care for us And will lead us out of those ruts to a life filled with joy and with peace and with fulfillment. In Christ's name, amen. So friends, there's a pork loin that's free to a good home after the service. But let's go forth. Let's go forth to show up. To pay attention. To cooperate with God and release the outcome. Knowing that God's got this. Because God wants the best for us.